Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, everyone, to the final episode ever of Half Street Height because the Nats are dead and there's nothing to talk about ever past today. Um, Juan Soto's traded. That's probably one of the worst intros I've ever done, but you, you guys know where we're here. The, the deed has been done. Soto's traded. It's surreal to think uh, we're here at this moment in time. Like it's been a joke for as long as we've done this show for four and a half years now, or however long it's been. You know, we made whatever, whatever. Um, you know that we've made the joke when Bryce left. That was kind of like episode five that we did. And now we're on two hundred and one, and we're talking about an even better player <laughs> leaving and that doesn't even include Rendon and Trey and Max and all of them um but it, it's surreal to think we are this poverty of a franchise that we've lost five cornerstone players in the span did, of four years did you see the picture on Twitter I'm not including Wilmer Defoe in it but he's in it um it has Juan Soto Trey Turner Bryce Harper Anthony Rendon and Daniel Murphy all high-fiving after a game. Not one of them is here. And it's it's funny. uh, Like last year we had four all-stars, which is bonkers to think about. Uh, Soto, Shorbert, Max, and Trey. And, you know, there's a picture with the four of them. It says all-stars. And someone posted that picture again, but they crossed out stars and put gone. So it's all gone. Hmm. It's just... 
it's hurt it's hurtful it's funny in a sort of abstract way but like it, it doesn't feel funny <laughs> maybe maybe years from now we'll look back and be like it's genuinely funny but it, it sure doesn't feel that way right now it's i was just saying before we started recording that um i really thought that we all knew this was coming when they leaked whoever leaked it the you know that 440 million dollar offer and he didn't take it in their fielding trade offers and like it was all everybody knew this was coming but I wasn't ready. I, it's still, I woke up this morning, like with the sense of impending doom and like spent the morning, you know, working my finger to the bone, refreshing Twitter. And when it finally happened, it, it just hits like a ton of bricks, man. This one's hard. This one hurts. This one hurts. It's, they all it, hurt, but this one feels different. This is like, there's nothing to look forward to. You know what I mean? The other one, the joke, like you were just saying, Nick, it was like, oh, we got to, we got to get rid of Harper to keep Rendon. We got to get rid of Rendon to keep Trey. We got to get rid of Trey to keep Soto. And now there's nobody else. <laughs> the joke's over. There's nobody else to look forward to. It's hard. Yeah. So, I mean, the way we're going to do, do this for those that listen to our last episode, it's going to be more of a reactionary bit. We'll dive into the actual trade itself. Ryan will take the lead on that and, you know, help us get to know these guys that, have to fill this insanely massive void that has been culminating over the past few years, um, which is just like an impossible task for anyone. But, you know, we, we have who we have and, uh, you know, it's up to them now, but Ryan will help us get to know them a little bit better. But yeah, just as far as the trade, you know, not the, the nitty gritty, but just like trading Juan Soto. at 23 with two and a half years of control there's no i get the logic you know we had jesse on for our last episode when you know the trade talks first started and he was saying that you know his value today is better than his value would be tomorrow and his value tomorrow is better than it would be on you know saturday and so on so forth i get that logic I also understand, you know, you offered him $440 million. He turned it down. I get it. And, you know, with the trade itself, I I even said on the last episode, like, I'm generally okay with it. Like, it, it makes sense. Like, sometimes you have to do this. You built, you dug your own grave. Right. You, you know, you had p- very poor development. You had very poor off seasons the past two years, which we will dive into later because I have bad plenty drafts. to say about that. <laughs> uh, you know, bad draft. And, you know, there's nothing here that was in place to convince Juan Soto to sign long term and then add in the ownership uh, flux and all this stuff. You, you know, you had to do more than just the contract to convince him to stay. So for me, and maybe you guys agree or disagree, when he rejected those contracts, I never was under the impression that he didn't want to be here. I was never saying, you know, Scott Boris sucks or, you know, Juan Soto sucks. Like he's greedy. Like I was never saying that. It was just, you know, we talked about it again. He was never going to sign a contract that wasn't market value. And while the ownership, was you know in question so the fact that they offered a below market deal while 
the team is up for sale still. I don't know if it's official yet, but it basically is. While all that stuff is going on, they just immediately pivot to trading him. It just seems like an overreaction. Again, I'm okay with it, but Juan Soto's don't come around all all that often. And all that he's done for this this team in such a short time is insane to think about. And he's only 23 and you're giving what 11, 12 prime years of Juan Soto away to another team like for that, five prospects for five prospects that aren't guaranteed to, to do anything like, and including Josh Bell in it. Like, man, that's, that's one of the parts that, that really killed me is like, for me, looking at this return, like I wanted that and maybe more just for Juan Soto. Like, why would you just treat Josh Bell like a throw in on a trade? I, yeah, I don't understand I mean, that at all. And I don't know. What really is troubling me, I think, is the fact that in any of these cases, whether it was Rendon or whether it was Harper, you can look at them in a vacuum and say, okay, I understand why they're doing this. But the right. overall, like you continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And you've lost generational talent several times now. And it speaks to a larger issue. The, the fact that in this case, if Juan Soto wasn't going to sign here, and I think I don't know who the new owner is going to be. So it's hard to say, like, are we going to get Steve Cohen type ownership? I have no idea who's willing to spend whatever, but most owners aren't that way. So if you have to pay 500 or $550 million to somebody and to one player, and then you're not going to put a winning team around him, I don't want to be the angels and just have a guy who's awesome. And then you never win anything. So if you knew you weren't going to keep him and you, you weren't going to pay the money it was going to take, then fine trade him. But the fact that we got to this point where we can't put a winning team around him because of the develop, the poor development and the bad drafting and all of the mistakes that have been made at the ownership and front office level is really infuriating as a fan, because it's not like this team is one of like, it's not like it's cheap to go see a game here. It's like the fourth most expensive place to go watch a baseball game in the league. You know, they live in, they're located in one of the most affluent areas of the country like if you did this right, there's, there's plenty of money to be had to, to feel the winning team. And they just haven't been able to do it. And I know that's so stupid because they won a world series three years ago, but that was really, if we're all honest with ourselves, fluky. It was, it was yeah. lucky. And it was lucky. Like, Everything came together and it was awesome. It was awesome. I don't mean to in any way disparage that experience. It was amazing, but it, it, it doesn't change all the mistakes that have been made that brought us to this day right here. And what we just had to do because you couldn't hang on to a guy like Juan Soto. Yeah. But it's not even like drafting. That's the thing. Like, like look at Trey, if they had offered Trey a market value extension, Trey already said he would have accepted it. Right. He and wanted if, to stay here. And if you have Trey Turner, like this team as currently constructed, Right. I mean, you probably don't have like Ruiz, but just for the sake of this exercise, let's say you have in somehow you have uh, Trey, Ruiz and Soto. That's pretty much all you have in place. Soto is probably at least a little bit more willing or open to signing because him and Trey are like best friends and Trey is already signed long term. So he knows Trey is going to be around long term. And but like they couldn't even do that. They were they lowballed Bryce. They lowballed Trey. You know they you know didn't really do anything to Rendon. They weren't. I don't even think they were in extension talks with Rendon 
Well, here. well Rendon okay. did not want to be here. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of a different situation. I, I get it. But, you know, that that's still a, a major loss. Like, look at our third base situation now. Like, what the hell? So, you know, still a major loss. And I, I get why they let Max go and all that stuff. But I'm just, you know, to Amanda's point, they weren't able to do anything. And it's not even just the draft. It, they weren't even to, able to extend guys. And it's not like we haven't had guys that are worth keeping around. They, they it, haven't done it, anything right. Do you think they should just stop this, this like stop working with Scott Boris? so stupid i know but i'm just so jealous of the braves who have all these players who are not scott boris clients that they keep signing to these below market extensions and i am made of jealousy how do they keep doing this like I, and scott well, boris is excellent at his job and he's doing exactly what he's supposed to which is maximize value for these guys but god damn it i wish we had a few guys who were willing to do what these braves players are willing to do well, yeah, so you can are, exploit them AA has their family on like the island locked up. Uh, Acuna and Albies were exploited. The Austin Riley deal was actually a very good, fair deal. People just reacted to it negatively because it was the Braves. The Braves. But the Austin Riley deal was actually really good for same thing with the Matt Olson one. Yeah, but the Acuna and the Albies deal. Oh. Yeah, the Albies deal is one of the most insane deals. Like, I can't no. believe that their agents let them do that. I just yeah. I don't understand that. They, at all. they should have had Scott Boris. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, and like I said, I, I I'm not one of those. This is all Boris's fault. People at all. Boris is fabulous at his job. He's obviously the best agent in baseball. He gets the most money for his clients, and that's his job. His job isn't to make fans happy or teams happy. His job is to get his clients money, and he's he does an excellent job. But man, it it's freaking hard when you know that. Like we've been saying this, you know, half jokingly for years like oh he's a Boris client he's going to free agency there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it and I really do believe that it's one of the things that's kind of comforted me through this because I'm so upset that he's gone is he was never going to be here they were not going to extend Juan Soto they were never going to give they were never going to be able to outbid him and he was not going to outbid the rest of the league and he was not going to sign before free agency I I, I really don't believe that he would and maybe it's just me like what's the phrase where you try to make yourself feel better or whatever. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you know, there is a part hope. of me, <laughs> maybe Well, the whole, all hope is lost now, but there is a part of me that believes wishful thinking, I guess that if the Nats offered 36 ish million plus over 13 plus years, they consider taking it. If that would. number started with a five, like I, I really think they would have taken it because I again, it would have been wants, market value. I think he wants and Boris wants to to get the the craziest bidding war for Juan Soto that they can. I really don't think he was going to sign, and especially not before they've settled out the ownership situation. And they could have just waited until the offseason. He still would have brought in a huge haul in the offseason if if the new ownership couldn't re-sign him, but. Do you guys think that whoever, do you think they've identified who the new ownership is going to be and it's just not public yet? Because I can't imagine that they would do this without some kind of input from whoever is seriously considering buying the team. Because they've been, they've been talking to multiple suitors. Like if you're going to make a, you've got people who are bidding on something and you, and you get rid of the largest asset, you know, it changes the value of the team. I can't imagine that that they did this without, I don't know. It just seems to me like, 
maybe the new owners, whoever they're going to be, don't want to be the bad guys who ship out Juan Soto and said, just do it. You know what I mean? mean, Well, I don't, I don't really believe that. And a lot of people keep talking about it. It's like, what do we think is real? The learners who have let every single homegrown star, not named Steven Strasberg go, or this mysterious new owner, this mysterious (laughs) new owner who's pulling strings behind the scene. Like, no, like, the learners aren't exactly well regarded around the league. I know people who work for the team, well, worked for the team, did not like them either. I just feel like this was just like a billionaire hissy fit. Like there's the business side of it. It's fine. Soda wasn't going to negotiate until the new ownership would come in. No one's going to do long-term business until they know who their boss is. Also, people keep blaming Boris. Juan Soto made it very, very clear He wanted to play for a team that was showing they were committed to winning. Juan Soto saw the moves they made this offseason and realized they weren't. Yeah. And again, that's what realized they weren't committed to winning. He was never going to stay here. They're not going to, they're not the Dodgers or the, or even the Padres who, God, we haven't even talked about all the other things the Padres have done. Good grief. Are they going all in? But But it's just like, yeah, I don't think that he was going to, I don't think he was going to sign here because this team, if they sign Juan Soto, they're not going to do the other things it's going to take to win. And I don't think he wants to be like Mike Trout stuck on the angels and never winning anything either. No, in, in that regard, I get it. Like you, you have to do what's best for yourself. I've always been pro player in that regard. I'm more speaking with, I guess the learners, but Mike Rizzo is definitely to blame too. Like, are, are you trading away a generational player because of your ego, because he wouldn't sign with you, he wouldn't take a below market deal, like that, because that's what it feels like. Is that especially what you think it's especially the timing of it? It all happened so quick. Like there's no, there was nothing stopping you from just letting the ownership, you know, situation settle. Rizzo and I mean, I guess the new ownership could clean house, but. You know, let's just say Rizzo would still be in place. There's nothing from stopping you for renegotiate or opening negotiations up once ownership is in place. And if you really wanted to keep him, you know, you you could have kept him, or you know, at least kept him or around. Unless we waited until the off season. Yeah, I mean, just like kept him around, had a really good off season these next two off seasons, and built a team around him. By the time he hit for agency, and it's like, hey, we've made strides this past two years once we've had ownership in place you know, we are trying stick with us. Like they could have done that, but it, you know, but it feels like he said no to a below market value while the state of the team is completely up in the air with nothing firm in place whatsoever. Both Davey and Rizzo are on one year deals. So it's like, nothing's guaranteed with this team. So of course he's going to say no. And they took offense to that for, you know, some dumb reason and overreacted, told Rizzo to trade him. And of course, you know, Rizzo's got to do what he's got to do. You know, we all know how he is with his marching orders from the learners. So that's just what it feels like to me. And I'm not involved with the team, but it just feels very reactionary. And like they, they threw, like Brian said, they threw a hissy fit. It feels very reactionary. And I think one of the funnier things about it is Juan had the face of the media, every single city he was in every single game and answer a lot of questions about something that he didn't really want to talk about while the learners in the front office refuse comment on everything. And they're the ones who caused this whole circus and are the ones that leaked it. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. You could tell he was really not enjoying having it brought up at every turn, especially during the all-star 
festivities. I don't know. It's just, I guess the two, there's either they threw a hissy fit and just demanded that he be traded no matter what, or they figured the writings on the wall and didn't want to make the same mistake they made with Harbor by not taking a trade for him and tried to maximize his value. Or maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Nah, I, just, like, at, yeah, I, I first, can't give this front office the benefit of the doubt to do something <laughs> yeah, smart. <laughs> exactly. Like at first I was like, all right, well, at least they didn't make the same mistake twice, but I was like, no, 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 no. It's still a mistake just for a completely different reason. Like, yeah, it's not the same mistake. <laughs> yeah, I get So like credit, you didn't make the same mistake, Speaking but it's still mistakes, a mistake. Why did they not trade any of the guys they signed specifically to be trade pieces? Because they all suck. Like, they couldn't. Why is Steve Ciszek and Carla Boyd sucks. and he Nelson sucks. still on this baseball? He team? sucks. <laughs> like, okay. Like it's, oh my God. It is such a ridiculous fail by this front office and a failure really that just summarizes this team that the guys they signed all sucked and they couldn't get anything for it. Nelson's crew's name was never mentioned and he was brought here for that to be traded. His power disappeared. Who would have saw that coming? Father time's on the field. Um, they also brought in Cesar Hernandez. That was a bust. He got zero nothing. home runs. Unreal. Oh my God. Steve Ciszek, again, a little bit older career, good reliever, but he's old. Father time catches up. He hits everything except a strike zone. He's not good. None of these guys are good. Like and that's I don't even the care issue. If they got like draft picks or some low level prospects. No, no. Like you should see, have see, Amanda. everybody who wasn't at, at this point, anybody and everybody they would give you anything for. It doesn't matter anymore. See, Amanda, I agree, but here's the issue. All they could have gotten is a bag of gum for them. Like they suck and no one wanted to. Yeah, I don't want, I don't I want like my guys league paying league for soda anymore. I want, I want you to no. pay for my soda in the betting machines. It wasn't, it was it was a big league too. See, even cash considerations would have been okay. Like anything, just anything. I don't know. I'm even just like so a $50 gift card to Chipotle. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you two lunches. Embrace debate though. Are oh, the Nats God. better without Juan Soto? They were winning tonight. Yeah, this was a, a quintessential DeGrom start, right? Yeah, facing Jacob DeGrom. And they're winning and five to nothing. Well, winning. five to one after DeGrom exited. This was supposed to be, DeGrom was supposed to be the minors for another rehab start, but then they're like, oh, it's the Nats. So they called him it up. Is, it is the minors for a rehab start. <laughs> Literally goes five innings, gets his 60 pitches, gives up one run. Like the guy got his, his start. It's that is so disrespectful. I'm so glad the Mets lost this game. Oh, okay. It's over. Yeah, it just ended. Love but one it. thing, one thing we didn't talk about though, we we alluded to it, but didn't touch on it fully. This is still a unsuccessful trade deadline for Rizzo, which at this point he's had. I guess he had a couple of okay deadlines, like with the the one where he acquired like Doolittle and Madsen and Kinsler, like. That comes yeah, from that success, a good one. success. So he's had two good deadlines, but majority of them have been bad. 2018 comes to mind. This one, I still don't give him a win because why in the hell would you include Josh Bell in that trade? Yeah, I don't no, understand. They were, and now we can get into the, the prospects and Ryan, I'll let you take over here in a minute. They were about to take on Eric Hosmer. For no additional and if, prospects. If Hosmer hadn't refused, we would have just taken Eric Hosmer's terror. Eric contract. Hosmer did us a favor. Like and, they were and, about to take him on for nothing. Listen for to no what Rizzo charge. 
said in his press conference today, I saved this to talk about while we were recording tonight. We had to get the right deal or we weren't going to do the deal. We set the bar very, very high and one team exceeded it. And that's the deal we made. If the Padres exceeded the the asking price, your asking price is way too low to begin with. And you yeah, should be I would fired. have expected this return, maybe even another guy for just Soto. Like when I was seeing all the stuff coming out, like, I don't know. I still, maybe, maybe I'm unrealistic and that was too high of an asking price, but like these five guys, I would think for just Soto Bell was one of the best bats available at the damn deadline. Like you should have traded him to somewhere else and gotten a couple of, a couple of nice pieces from somebody else for him. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not a GM, but that seems, it seems like a, like the return is grossly less than I would have expected for those two guys packaged. I just, I, I was, if I, it's not like I needed, I'm so angry right now. It's not like I needed more evidence, but today's events have proved Mike Rizzo is not the one to lead us through a rebuild. He's oh, yeah. in, in my, in my mind, he's the same as Dombrowski. He's great. If ownership's willing to spend and he has kind of, you know, creative control to just like go all in. But once it's time to blow it up and rebuild, Dombrowski gets fired. And I think Rizzo is in that same boat. I hope the new owners come in and clean out the develop the the player development side of things and the the management the front the front office people. Like I just after not only Soto, but the cumulative effect of all the guys we've lost over the last four years, like I don't want to see any of these faces anymore. Yeah. Ryan, I assume you're in the same boat. So two things are true at the same time with this. They did what they had to, and they got a fine return, but they also sold low. I have been in the camp that Mike Rizzo should be fired for a long time. I do not like Mike Rizzo. I do not hold my feelings back on that. I think everyone in the front office is an idiot. I don't hold back on either. This is a fine return for Juan Soto. I don't like the fact that they packaged um, Josh Bell in it. If you're going to package Josh Bell, I would have liked them, liked to see them get Merrill. I thought that was going to happen when I saw Eric Cosmer was in it. I was like, okay, you attach Josh Bell, you get the other top prospect. They didn't want to give up. You eat his contract. Who cares? Eric Cosmer was like, hell no, I'm not going to play for those bums. Don't blame him. So that didn't happen. Um, and they got Jarlin Susana, who we'll talk about in a little bit, as the guy for him, didn't just did not like that they attached Bell as a throw-in. Bell was the best rental bat on the market. Historically, bats don't go that high. So, like, I can see the logic of them including him with Soto. I just didn't like it. But, no, I mean, I've been on the boat for a while that (laughs) – Mike Rizzo sucks. I've been on that boat for a long time. Like, I'm just so happy to see people are joining. Yeah, uh, but even still, like – I, I can't get over the fact that they were about to accept Air Cosmer and his contract for no additional charge. Like, if you if you wanted to include Hosmer, well, not so. Actually, the well, Padres I know they were, were going to eat. Yeah. I know they were going to eat money, but like, it's still a negative, a net negative, adding a Hosmer to that deal and should get you an additional prospect in return. Just similarly to how, like, if we attach Patrick Corbin 
you know, it would limit our return. If they were going to attach Hosmer, it should have like increased our return, but it's still, I can't get over the fact that they were about to do that. And the prospect package stayed the same, made no sense. Like you have no money outside of Steven Strauss or I guess Patrick Corbin, but even still as much as that is, you're not paying anyone else. So that's like 70 million. You know, you could have taken on all of Hosmer's contract and gotten, you could have gotten Merrill or, you know, any, or uh, that was my Camp, thought. Camp when I first, yeah, saw Hosmer in there. I was like, oh, you know, so they're, I was, I was kind I of thought, excited, not because of Hosmer, so but because of, I was like, okay, they're not going to get fleeced because they're adding Hosmer so they can get more prospects. Like that's smart. Yeah. That was, that was my thought process. Thing. I was like, okay, so obviously they're going to take this bad contract and they're going to get more. And who cares because they're not going to be good for two years anyway. It doesn't matter. And uh, yeah. And then no, it's, it, it wasn't, it was, I think it's hilarious that the Nats are on his, his, when did he sign with the Padres? Well, you, you change that at the beginning of every single season. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. You're every single season at the beginning of like when it starts, you give the team the update that teams are in no trade list. So that's constantly changing. Oh yeah. Well then that makes perfect sense. I don't yeah. putting the, the Nats on there. He was like, before. hell no, I'm not going there, but two, gotta buy two a, points. Eric Hosmer Jersey just for that reason. Oh, absolute respect. Can you imagine going from the contending Padres to the Nats? Poor Luke Voigt. He, oh, literally, wow, he literally wow. was talking to the media about like how excited oh, was he was. Brutal. Here. And now he's coming these bums. <laughs> I know. But it's it's kind of like what we saw last year. The Nats did well, but it's also true that they sold short. Last year, they could have gotten more for Max and Trey. They didn't because the Dodgers ate 30 mil. It's true. They still did well, could have got more. It's the same with this. They did well, could have got more, and we'll break down the prospects here in a second. I mean, yeah, let's just jump into it. We, we've kind of like alluded to it, but, you know, the full trade. So they get C.J. Abrams, who's a young shortstop, made his debut with the Padres earlier this season with the Fernando Tatis injury. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, highly touted left-handed pitching prospect, again, made his debut. He actually, uh, you know, just our luck, just hit the uh, injured list with left shoulder yeah. inflammation. So who knows Elbow, when we're going to see him in a Nats uniform. Um, they got uh, Robert Hassel III, uh, the number one prospect in the Padres system, who's now the number one uh, prospect in our system. Uh, definitely an outfielder. Questions about him in center field, but he seems to have quelled those concerns. But, you know, great, great bat and solid arm, solid defensively. He's going to be a guy. Definitely the centerpiece of that. Uh, James Woods, a uh, local guy, uh, went to St. John's College High School in D.C., IMG Academy, he and Elijah Green played together, which is kind of cool. Um, he has a huge bat, huge bat. Excited to see him. Um, uh, the who am I forgetting, Ryan? The Sasuna, Sasuna, Arlen Sasuna, yeah, Yarlan yeah. Sasuna, then Luke Voigt. And Luke Voigt, I, okay, trade. yeah, Luke Voigt round out the trade. Sasuna, um, I don't know who it was talking about him but i guess the nats really like sasuna because you know he's a hard throwing he's, he's a little bit of a raw prospect but he touches 98 and he, i think he's now the eighth ranked prospect in the nat system so pretty solid because the nats you know that's one thing we haven't mentioned they went from what the 27th ranked farm system to now they're 
it, it depends if you include Gore or not. Technically, Gore has graduated, so they dropped down to like eighth, but we're somewhere between four, five, and and eight. So, you know, they jumped up significantly. Obviously, when you trade a guy like Juan Soto, that's going to happen. But that's just to say, Sasuna being eighth, he's eighth in a good farm system now, not eighth in a poor farm system like Nats fans are used to uh, the team having. But Ryan, why don't you uh, take us down the list of, of our new nationals? Yeah, so a lot of the new names. Um, Fangraphs loves what the farm system is doing. I don't like Fangraphs method for grading prospects, but I agree that the farm system got a very big boost. I'm going to start with the big three. These are the three guys you 100% have to be absolutely ecstatic about as a national fan that Mike Rizzo got, and that's Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, and James Wood. Mackenzie Gore is the truth. Yes, he does have a little shoulder or elbow inflammation right now. I don't really care about that because he is good. He has a big Big, nice leg kick delivery. He's also very athletic. That bodes well for his health, LOL, because he's hurt right now. But being athletic as a pitcher is a very good thing. Josiah Gray is also very athletic. Guys like that tend to age very well in the league. Uh, Gore is going to sit 94, 96 with the fastball. He does have a big, gorgeous mid-70s curveball. He does have a little bit of an issue with his slider. His slider is in the mid-80s but his slider does get a lot of swing and miss. His fastball is his best pitch. He gets a lot of late movement on there. Why should you be excited about him? Because he projects as an ace. If the Nats can get him to hit his potential, there's going to be a lot of ifs with these people. He projects as an ace. McKenzie Gore is the absolute real deal. He's a lefty. You should be very excited about him. He is a future ace of this team. The other part of the big three, Robert Hassel. I love him. Yeah, it's a big, 20, get. big, big get. He's going to be this team's right fielder. That boy can hit every single level he has played at. He has put up outrageous numbers. He's a 6'2", 200-pound man, 20 years old. He's raw as well. There's a theme here. He's very raw, but his potential is absolutely through the roof. He's more than likely going to go to right field. He has a very strong arm. He moves pretty well out there, and that boy can hit. He's clock throwing 93 off the mound. He legit projects as a 30-plus home run all-star. I'm pretty excited about him. He's in A-ball right now. He has a little way to go, but if the Nats can (laughs) tap his potential – he will be an all-star for this team in right field. The other part of that, of the big three, James Wood, I am very, very ecstatic about him. I was worried they weren't going to get him, but I'm happy they did. 19-year-old, he's an A-ball. Going to take a little while to see him as well. That's another big boy who plays center field. He's fast. He has incredible range. Balls in the gaps are his absolute strength. There are questions about if he will stay in center field because of his size, but I actually don't think he'll stay in center field. I think the Nats will move him as well. I think they want Elijah Green to be in center field, but he is fast. He's been perfect on a stolen basis so far. He hits the balls in the gap. He also has 30-plus home run potential, so that is another person whose potential is a perennial all-star with 30-plus home runs, and he is a big boy. That is a six foot seven, 240-pound, 19-year-old, real deal so those are the big three 
You want to keep a name on McKenzie Gore, Robert Hassel, James Wood. Those guys have potential to be the new franchise names in the draft. You look at the others, you got Luke Voigt, major league guy. They need a first baseman. I don't really care. He does. Don't care about it. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, that's fine. CJ Abrams. Personally, I'm a little low on CJ Abrams. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I personally don't really love CJ Abrams. He's great. And then will be the show. Um, he is <laughs> fast. He is Trey Turner fast, which gives him absolutely fantastic speed. He has an average arm. The bat's been he, very, sorry, what's up? I was just gonna say, isn't he really good defensively or am I making that up? Um, There are questions on if he will stay at shortstop, but his so speed. So I'm making it up, got it. Well, so it's, the problem is he's been inconsistent. His speed has made him a plus defender because he has absolutely fantastic range, mm. but he's been very fantastic. Uh, sorry, excuse me. He's been very, very inconsistent. So there's a lot of questions if he's going to move to second base or even center field because of his speed as well. Um, his arm could play in center field, but he's just not consistent. If the Nats can get him consistent, you have a fast plus shortstop. The bat is a question mark. He's hit in the minor leagues, but he's also gone completely cold. He projects kind of as an average hitter. But if the Nats get him to hit his potential, which is going to take some years, he was already up, but I think he's going to take about two or three years to be consistently good. You're looking at a guy who's going to be an average bat plus defender at short. That's fine. And then the last prospect who the Nats were very excited about, which Again, very, very raw, but has good potential. And that's right-hand pitcher Yarlan Susana. He touches 102. He consistently sits 98 with his fastball. His slider is in the 90s as well. And his changeup touched 91 in the minors. He is a big, tall pitcher who throws very hard. Also, his spin rate is absurd. So what's that tell you? He's got potential to be really, really good. The only problem is he's on the Nats. Um, he legit projects to be a top end of the rotation guy. If a team can make him hit consistently, sorry, consistently pitch well, he's young, he throws hard, the command isn't exactly there yet, which is completely understandable. The main theme with all of these guys, this is why I did not want the Nats to trade with the Padres, is all of these guys' potentials are very high. They're all very, very low floor. Raw. Yes. They're very, very raw, and they're going to take some development to consistently reach that ceiling. They're just at the wrong team for that. Nats don't have the best history of that. They are making improvements. But even if the Nats just get two of those core three to hit, that's fine. But there's a lot of raw dudes in here that makes me a little nervous. But eh, sorry, no, I was just I was just going to wrap up saying, but those are those are new core. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit different from the trade last year because, like, Gray and Ruiz – I know Ruiz spent a little bit more time in the minors. Gray made effectively made his, like, debut almost with the club, never hit the Nats uh, minor league system. These guys, more of them will be in the minors, and they'll be in the minors for a long time. Like, Gore will probably stay up. Abrams most likely will stay up, but I wouldn't be shocked if he gets sent down, especially with – them not trading Cesar Hernandez. So you still have Cesar and Luis up the middle. So you can afford to put Abrams in AAA and give him some more time. And obviously Luke Voigt, but I'm not counting him because he's not a prospect. But Hassel, uh, Susana, uh, Wood, like 
they're all going to be in the minors for the next for the foreseeable future. So, you know, you're hinging this trade on your ability to develop, which is not a strategy, mainly because you have not proven you're able to do it in any capacity, in any regard over the past 10 years. Like you, you've proven without a shadow of doubt, you cannot develop guys. We haven't had a single homegrown guy pan out. Like Trey came from another, uh, actually came from the Padres (laughs) and then Bryce and Strauss were generational guys. So like, I guess if you want to say the last one, it was Jordan Zimmerman, which I mean, he's retired now. Like that's how long it's been since we've had a homegrown guy pan out. So it's just like, you know, you, you, it's a strategy, right? It's a legitimate plan. People, you know, base their futures, the future of the organization on their ability to develop. So it, it is a strategy, but you know, you're playing to your weakness right now. You're not even playing to your strength. You're playing to your weakness. And you, I mean, if you are unable to develop these guys, you're screwed because you're not going to have another Juan Soto trade turn Max or to trade for no prospects and start all over again. You're not going to be able to do that. And I mean, the, the final thing I'll say on the matter, well, I'll say this. I am very excited about some of these guys. And, you know, like I said last year, deja vu, you know, do some research on these guys so you find new favorite players and, you know, you can, you know, get in on the ground floor with them and be excited with them. Same thing like I did with like Josiah Ruiz. Gray and Ruiz yeah. and all that stuff. Do that because there is legitimate reason to be excited. And, you know, you get Mackenzie Gore once he's healthy, you know, he'll be up with the, the big club most likely. And, you know, you can follow him from the start and while you wait for these other guys come up. So I'm very excited about, you know, the potential because I kind of have to be, we don't have a Juan Soto anymore, but the last thing I'll say in the matter, this is the same team that saw Austin both and said, you know what? There is something there. This guy can be really, really good. We just are not good enough to get him there. So they find, can't trade him because he's been so bad. Cut him. This guy goes to the Orioles just a couple days ago. This is not like, you know, once in a blue moon, just a couple days ago. He's been very solid there, but just a couple days ago, five shutout innings, no walks, like eight strikeouts. He had like 15 swings and misses. Same guy. Cut him this year. Like this team cannot develop to save their life. And so, so why am I, you know, why am I, you know, supposed to be not that I'm not excited for the prospects, but why am I supposed to put faith in this team when they've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they cannot develop guys? Like, you know, I see the the people defending this trade, which, you know, I I want what you're smoking. Um, But, you know, the people defending this trade, they're like, oh, look at this, you know, potential 2025 lineup. Yeah, but that's if the Nats can develop. You know, these guys all have massive upside and all have extreme talent. They're in, you know, playing professional baseball. Of course they have talent, but you're, you're basing, you know, this lineup and your hopes on the, the, you know, ability for the Nats to develop and they've proven they can't. So why am I going to do that? Like prove me wrong before I go get my hopes up again. It's an excellent point. I was thinking the same thing when they, for all this, all this first started swirling around Juan Soto, right around the the all-star game. I was like, well, if they're going to do this, they've got to get guys who are, who are close or young major leaguers or, you know, triple A guys, because they're not good at developing guys. And if the idea of this is ostensibly to speed up your rebuild, 
like, I understand you've just massively upgraded your farm system and that's great, but A, you're not very good at development and B, you're still just as far away as if you had kept Juan Soto and tried to build around them. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's, Counterpoint. It's Getting guys, who, getting guys who are close to MLB ready slash MLB ready is not good for a rebuild. Oh, yes, yes. That I thought you were counterpointing. Not good for a rebuild generally, but for a team that has a, a dismal development record. Well, you forgot that Jeff Bezos is buying this team. <laughs> um, and getting Aaron Judge, Rafael Devers, and more this offseason. So I don't see your point. Oh, well, you know, when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the whole thing is it's, it's very frustrating. And a lot of the frustrations predate this trade with Soto, but I don't know. It, it's just one of those where it, I understand that the trade with Soto needed to happen because I don't think they were going to, they were going to resign him and it was better to get as big of a haul as you could for him. But the fact that we had to be at this point at all is the, is the culmination of many years of bad decisions all up and down this organization. And uh, it's just, it's, I don't know. I mean, it'll end where we started, which is that it's just really hard to take as fans of this team to watch mm-hmm. yet another guy. And this guy, I think it, it's not controversial to say Soto was, is better than any of them. Yep. This I am glad. the next coming of Ted Williams and we just let him walk out the door. I'm very glad you brought that up. Um, the frustrations part, because it's true. You know, like this is a fan base who has, Heard a lot of excuses when a lot of good players left that door. And during the time, it was okay because there was always someone else. And now Juan Soto's gone and a lot of fans are mad. And I don't like seeing people like try to spin it, be like, oh, you're a bad team. You can't be upset, blah, blah, blah. Like, I love trolling. Like, I will argue with absolutely anyone, but don't tell people how to feel about this. You know what I mean? Like, Front office, yeah, that's like, an excellent point. There's been a real gamut of reactions to this, and they're all valid. We all can feel how we want. You put when you're a fan of a team, you dump your emotions into that team, and you're allowed to feel about it however the hell you want. Yeah, like we're all spending money on this team, unfortunately. Um, like you're allowed to feel however the hell you want about this. Like if you people are upset and they say they're down the team, let them say that. There's kind of good reason for it. You know, like like I said, we talked about earlier, we've seen a lot of good players go for nothing. Except for the one guy I saw on Twitter who burned his Soto jersey. You're yeah, that, that, that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and it's like at the same time, it was it was unrealistic or no. I'll say it this way. It was realistic for the Nats to say they couldn't keep them all because they couldn't, you know, they were going to have to let somebody go. But, but, the fact that, could we have but, but the fact that they let everybody go, whether it be for nothing or, you know, trading with two and a half years left, like is completely absurd. And listen, I'll be that guy. I'll do it. You know, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to say it. And so it'll be me. This trade hurts a hell of a lot less. It's, this, this trade doesn't hurt at all if you sign Bryce Harper. If you have Bryce on this team, you know, it's you still have to rebuild because even then, you know, you wouldn't have a lot in place. And it's an interesting alternate you, history exercise. You still have a franchise guy to build around. But yeah. right now you have ah. nobody to build around. They would have had to retool, not rebuild, because they had a couple of those guys they wouldn't, because rebuilds are a personal choice. But otherwise, I agree. It, it, yeah, Sorry. I mean, they still would have needed to do other things. It's not like we would have been competitive this year, but, you know, I would have been fine trading Soto 
because you know you couldn't have a three hundred and thirty million dollar guy and then a five hundred million dollar guy in the same outfield. Right. Like I get that. Oh, you can. Well, you can. The Padres but, are literally going to. Yeah, I, you can, but I'm just saying, like, I get, I would get it if they're like, you know, that's a lot of money invested in two players. We need to spread that out. Like, I, I would, I would at least understand. But now, and the Padres you know, are crazy now, though, right? Now, now the learners have just lied to us for four years, and now they're just about to say peace and sell the team. That's and the walk part of it away too with that billions. Sticks in my craw is the whole like doing this on your way. Sticks out in your thing. what? Craw. What is that? C R A craw. <laughs> You've never heard that expression? I would have a no. doctor look at that. <laughs> the fact that they're doing this on their way out the door and like they don't have to deal with the fallout. I don't know. It's it. There, I guess there was nothing that was going to feel good about losing Juan Soto. And, you know, as you pointed out, Nick, earlier, when we talked to Jesse, you know, he said he's worth more now than he is tomorrow. And I get it. They did. It, I saw somebody on Twitter today, just after it happened say the best time to trade Juan Soto is never the second best time is right now. And it's, it's true. If you're going to do it, like you want to get the most you can for it, but it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like you got enough. No, I don't know. And maybe there's nothing that would have felt like enough. I don't know. But there, there was something that would have felt a hell of a lot better than this. Yeah. So, it, yeah, that's that's my kind of final thought on the situation. It's like it wasn't a terrible trade, but you know, when you're throwing out phrases like Herschel Walker type trade package, and you know, the biggest trade in MLB history, like, and you get five I, I was prospects ex- in Luke Voigt, and you know, it wasn't even like it was prospects one through five in the. Padre system no like it you know it was, it, you couldn't help but feel underwhelmed when you know the hype for this and like the three-team bidding war and the Dodgers don't want to be outdone by the Padres like look at last year Dodgers swooped in when the Padres had laughed if they had cut the and Padres again like, at the last minute today how funny would that have been I don't know it's it is what it is like it wasn't a terrible trade I give it a C like if we're if we're doing a grading thing, I give it a C. C's get degrees. You did what you needed to do. You passed, but you didn't do a great job at it. So I give it a C. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. But like, like I don't know. We just said there's nothing that I think would have felt good, and I I don't know what. Even if they had another player, you you still feel a little bit better about it. But I don't think you can win. You can't win a trade when you get rid of Juan Soto. Juan Soto is going to be a he's going to be a superstar in this league for another decade, decade and a half. And we're going to have to watch him do it someplace else. And no combination of guys, not all of whom are even going to be good because there's no way that all five or six, you know, all five or six guys you've got are going to hit as, you know, reaching their potential. But even if two or three of them do and you can say abstractly, yes, they got a good return for that trade. It still is never going to feel good. Those guys are never going to be Juan Soto. And we're going to have to watch Juan Soto do Juan Soto things someplace else. And that, I mean, this is, this is set up to be the biggest, the worst trade in MLB history. Like, you know, when you look back in 15 years and see if, if, you know, these prospects don't pan out, it's going to be the worst trade in MLB history. Like you're more likely to fail than for it to be a, you know, a fair trade. 
But like, that's what my point is, even if they, even if they, it, it, they don't, even if it's not a disaster, even if you say, Hey, three of these five guys turned into, you know, multi-time all-stars and they were it's still players. It, it's still not there. That's what I'm saying is there's nothing that's enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's I nothing it. that's going to be enough to watch one Soto be elsewhere. It's it, especially when we had him and, you know, there was all this talk about trying to sign him for, for his career. And I don't know. It's just when you t- take your, you can, you can use your brain and come up with all the reasons why it was the right thing to do. And that's all true, but it's still, it still just hurts from a fan perspective and it's never um, going to feel good. I agree. Ryan, any final thoughts? Ah, I'm, I'm in the spitting right now. <laughs> just, it is what it is. You know, um, I'm a business guy. I, I always see sports as a business and it made sense of business, but it hurt at the same time. Stinks is what it is, but just got to pray this team can develop, man. Um, but Amanda, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's your reaction going to be when Juan Soto, Bryce Tarper, and Max Scherzer are all elected into the Hall of Fame, but none of them go in as nationals? It's not going to be pretty. I can tell you. <laughs> you might want to leave Twitter for the day. Follow-up question. <laughs> Follow-up question. You ready for this? Amanda, what's your reaction going to be when Juan Soto signs an extension before free agency with the Padres? It's going to be my villain origin story. That's, <laughs> that's what that's going to be. I'll lose my mind. I don't want to think about it. I mean, if he signs like a 15-year deal and stays there for the rest of his career. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, Bef- yeah. Like, you know, imagine this offseason. They're like Juan Soto, you know, 15-year extension. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you told me I could play in Southern California for a good team or in D.C. for this team, it wouldn't be a very hard choice, probably. Just, um, yeah. Padres are loaded. Still probably won't win the World Series because it's the Padres, but they're loaded. If, if history is any indication, although the, the that lineup is something. Tatis, Soto, Machado. Machado. That lineup. Bell? Holy crap. That lineup is great, and that's probably the best one through four in baseball, but they're still not close to the Dodgers, which is just so stupid. It's absurd. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not like the Dodgers don't have Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman. <laughs> so Yeah, man. Yeah. And the Dodgers pitching staff, pitching in general, is better than the Padres. We're like literally that that SpongeBob meme where he's watching people celebrate. They're watching people celebrate through the greats. You know what I mean? Uh, uh well, yeah, it's Squidward. Like, let's get your memes right. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's that. That's Nat's fans now. Speaking of SpongeBob references, it was funny. Uh, the caption was Eric Hosmer to the trade, and it was this clip from SpongeBob. And you guys, nah, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking to myself, if that actually tanked the deal, if like they didn't come up with another deal and they ended up trading Soto elsewhere, like what? would Padres fans have done to Eric Hosmer if he tanked that deal by refusing to go to DC? Yeah. It's funny how like 15 minutes later he's gone and like he was out the door shipped to Boston. Yeah. Yeah. It was a kind of a wild trade deadline. I'll have to be honest. Like after the, the Soto trade went down earlier, I kind of checked out, like I went out to lunch and bought myself ice cream and just was like, I'm, I got to, I got to disconnect from it a little bit. I didn't really watch a lot of the, Effectively, it's two years in a row where the trade deadline would have been boring if it weren't for the Nats. 
I know the rest of baseball owes us a, a debt of gratitude. I know. And now we have no one left. It's like, was the trade <laughs> next deadline? Next year we won't be that interesting because there's nobody good left right. to trade. What, was the trade deadline good? Yes. What did it cost? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, well, that seems like a that seems like an actually a- apropos place to to end it. Yeah. So um, there isn't much to talk about for the rest of the season. <laughs> so fun stuff. We'll do some interviews. You know, we're gonna get Sam Dykstra on later. We're gonna have him on for the deadline, but obviously he's busy with work, doing his job. Like how dare he? So we're gonna get him on when things settle down. We'll dive deeper into these prospects. He's you know, more knowledgeable than we are and, you know, can give you guys a better background on this trade package and we'll get his thoughts on the trade in general. Uh, so we'll have him on. Obviously we'll continue to, you know, have Matt on, have Blake on, have Jesse on. And, you know, as we, you know, trudge through <laughs> for the rest of the season, but if <laughs> you didn't believe it before the next few years are going to be rough, ladies and gentlemen, it's gonna be rough. So cheap tickets. Cheap mm-hmm. tickets to games. Yeah, not cheap enough. No. Well, that's what you get for buying season tickets to the goddamn Nats. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> it's, it's like, what are you gonna buy next? Arizona Coyote season tickets? To go watch them play in a they play at a college. College arena. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. But that does it. I mean, okay. Well, let me not wrap up there. Let me actually do my job. Uh, halfstreethighheat.com. <laughs> it was funny watching our group chat today just blow up. Everyone suddenly has an article they want to write, <laughs> and you can yeah. guess what it's going to be about. So, uh, check out halfstreethighheat.com. And obviously, we'll post it to Twitter too, but go to our website. You're going to see plenty of uh, thought pieces and breakdowns and all that good stuff uh, from all of our talented writing staff. Um, Trey is in the works of another YouTube video. Um, So he's killing it over there on YouTube. We'll be back, like I said, with some interviews, you know, people who actually have to talk about the team for a living, we'll let them talk for us (laughs) so we don't have to Um, and all that good stuff. So we're not done yet. It's just, we got to adjust and move on because the learners lied to us for four years. So sick, sick. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, good. Good, Ryan. You good? I, I think we can make a wild card spot. Oh Jesus! Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like we have our villain origin story. Ryan has his hero origin story. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and and I want to just say, you know, I do have one more thing, which is Ryan. You're the reason why Nelson Cruz wasn't good enough to get traded. I just want to say. I know. I, I am <laughs> way too powerful. I know. I was Could actually you pick somebody next year who's not one of the pieces we're hoping to trade. I was actually <laughs> thinking about that. I'm like, oh my god, I almost picked Soda before the year. Could you have imagined? Oh god, <laughs> he'd probably still be here. Like oh, he boy. struggled to start at the. Oh my gosh, should have done it. I mean, people thought he struggled already. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done people, it. That's been a thing that's been bugging ah. me all year. But hindsight's like, another You're conversation. Welcome. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Start sobbing. So so now we get to have a lineup where not a single person on the roster has a WRC plus of a hundred or better, (laughs) or a positive war, or a positive war. Thank you. Yeah, I was watching the game tonight, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know who half these people are. (laughs) Yeah, Sean Doolittle is like 
I think he's uh, he was tenth. He's probably higher now in WAR for the NASA season. He hasn't pitched since April. Wow. Yeah. So Luke Voigt leads the team of home runs at thirteen. Jesus. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, it hurts. <laughs> Is that uh, true? Please tell me you made that up. I don't lie about my stats. Lane Thomas is second with nine. Oh, God. Hey, Lane Thomas has more home runs than Ron Lacuna. Makes a thing. Great. Straight up. Oh, damn. We missed the deadline. (laughs) (sighs) Joey Manessas has more home runs as a Nat than Juan Soto has a a Padre. So, Oh, my God. You know, I just realized. The Nats, are, the Nats have a 1,000 winning percentage without Juan Soto. Oh, okay. please. I already, I already tweeted that. Joey Manessis oh. has more home runs in one game than Cesar Hernandez does in 100. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I hate my life. I hate my life. Oh, God. This team. Yep. This team. All right. Well, it was a good run. Life. Amanda, Ryan, I had fun this, these past 201 episodes. I think <laughs> we're about done now. <laughs> So thank you, thank you, everyone. Things to talk about. Joey Manessis, we'll be talking about on the next episode. Who? The next fascinating FTS, otherwise known as who the is it Manessis? How do you say it? I don't know. What's that guy's name? I don't know. I don't know. Who cares? It doesn't matter. (laughs) All right, that does it. Again, be sure to check out halfstreethight.com. Check us out on Twitter at halfstreethighty. Amanda at a white seven eight seven seven. Ryan at we are all Shaq, who is now Padre Shaq with the sick logo. Myself at the Coach Moose. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back. I don't know. At some point. See ya. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls at the commentator who has the causes past the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not wanna look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.